Welcome to the Utah Podcapalians. Now, this is a podcast about our unusual church in this unusual land that we all love, and a church that we all love, that being Utah. And today we're going to talk about, when I use the word we, that means community, and we really are going to get into the idea of becoming community because there's one that's present that if you go to, you're just well, you're just inspiring, and I'm not going to take any more time to try to introduce that. But I am going to introduce Shannon Burke, who comes to the from the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, and she is leading a prayer service, evening prayer, at a wonderful place called The Point. Now, I'm going to start right out by saying, what is The Point for all those that Maybe remember the point as being the uh, term used for the prison. This is not what that was. This right. is a wonderful community. Go ahead, Shannon. Thank you so much, Craig. You're right. It is not the prison. The point is an affordable living community on North Temple Street, very close to the airport. It used to be the old airport inn, and now it is a community for mostly homeless, experienced senior adults. So seniors who are 55 plus, it's deeply affordable living for them. It has wraparound services. So there's case management on site. There's a doctor, Dr. Lisa, comes twice a week, and the Cathedral Church has a ministry there. We are there three days a week. We have a food pantry and a clothing closet. We have an evening prayer service, and then we also now have a Wednesday Mass and Bible study. So that is the nutshell version of what the point is. And you come to this as an educator, as a chaplain, uh, that's one of your official titles at the uh, cathedral. And so you stepped into this wonderful community. And I know um, probably it'd be great to say, and I know you had a whole business plan and you walked in with a business plan and presented, but the whole idea of doing your uh, evening prayer service had a kind of an unusual beginning even, didn't it? It did have an unusual beginning. So it began with a ministry of presence. Father Tyler asked if I would just start showing up to the point. And we had the understanding that God was already active, present, and working in that place. So to just be present with the residents and see what was happening at the point and how we might come alongside residents in that place to support them through the transition from being completely unsheltered to being sheltered. So I began showing up on the smoking porch out behind the point with Michael riding, and we began to listen to residents and to get to know their names and their stories and to see what might already be going on in that place where we could come alongside folks and build on what was already happening there. And that's so evolved over the past. It is a present. Yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt you there, but oh, I no. was just to hear that. It, it, it's so nice that sometimes I think we feel if we're going to have an outreach ministry, let's have it all planned out. Let's have it page by page, what were expectations. But in your case, you're just giving the recommendation. Am I correct that be present? Be present. So it was really about developing relationships with the people who were there, spending time with them, listening to their stories, 
um, getting to know the leadership in that place and not coming in with an agenda, not coming in with a plan that was fully formed. You know, in recovery, I've learned from people who work at the point, many of them are in recovery. They say nothing about us without us. So we had the belief that if something was going to happen in that place, we needed to pray, see where God was already at work, see what people needed, and then be agile enough to try things. And if something didn't work, to try something else. Um, so we've experimented. It's been a holy experiment that's been going on now for about 18 months. And just again, to be clear, this was an old motel. It appears to be like a 1970s style motel out by the Salt Lake International Airport. Um, the residents have taken over the rooms. Of course, it it has been highly remodeled to accommodate them and all kinds of services. And then you came in and were present. You saw that they can eat, they were being clothed, they had a community. And then you capitalized on that to bring those needs together in a service on uh, well, tell me about your service. Tell me when it is and all that. And I think it's important because I want to lead to the point where this is a service that is done at the point, but there are people that aren't living at the point that come to that, even from across the street, but also from the cathedral and elsewhere. So I've asked a whole lot of stuff there to review. I hope you took notes on that question. Yeah, I took notes <laughs> right up here. So Carol Hollowell had a big, I think it was an $8 million renovation project. So the point is part of Switchpoint, which is an umbrella of nonprofit. It, well, Switchpoint is a nonprofit. There are a number of affordable living communities and she's got drop-in daycare and she has um, nonprofit work that she does in St. George and also in Tooele. But the Fair Park point and the point at the airport hotel are two side-by-side -side senior resident living facilities and those old hotel rooms have been converted into tiny studio apartments so people can come there and live out the rest of their lives in that place it is a permanent living um, place for them for $450 a month people have their utilities included their room and the wraparound case management so that's critical for people who've been unsheltered to have access you know if they don't have their ID or if they don't have social security coming in there's someone to help them with mental health services and so forth as well so we decided well I mean the residents and folks at St. Mark's came together on Sunday evenings for evening prayer, and we have a fellowship dinner afterwards. So we have a group of folks who actually we have about 20 volunteers now. So our little cadre of volunteers has grown and grown and grown. And then the residents from the point have also come into community with more and more people from the cathedral to the point that it doesn't even really make sense to talk about two separate communities anymore. Um, we are one community, the Cathedral Church of St. Mark at the Point, and people from the Point come to worship here at the Cathedral now, but we probably have more people from the Cathedral who come out to the Point. Um, we gather at five o'clock for evening prayer, and then we have a fellowship dinner. So you don't have to pray with us to eat with us, but we like it when people come and pray with us. And then we don't even have... So volunteers from the point are serving dinner, are leading parts of evening prayer. It is really a ministry with people um, from both places coming together. We read together, we pray together, and we eat together every Sunday night. I'm looking and going into that detail with you because 
we always look for what other churches could be doing and what other people could be doing in outreach and um, showing those programs that have worked. And certainly the point is in that category of programs that have worked. Um, it appears then that one of the keys is that it has to not just be a separate community here, this is our outreach, and a separate community here, this is our traditional church, that these have really become one together um, where people are coming from the cathedral to the point to worship, not like I'm gonna go visit the outreach, they're worshiping, people are coming from the point to um, St. Mark's Cathedral, just like anybody else comes to St. Mark's Cathedral. I, I know you've had a you've had a marriage there, you've had baptisms, you've had uh, confirmations. So again, um, if a church says, well, this sounds fascinating, how could we do this? What advice do you have? First of all, simple advice you have, and then I want to get into another issue, and that is that you're a large church, an old church, and but we know that newer churches can do it too. But let's get to that in a moment. And first, just say, what is your secret to success on making this community merge together? I don't think that there's a secret. I think that when we do ministry, we have to begin with prayer, right? We have to begin with being open to what God wants to do in and through us. It's not about us going and deciding what to do. It's really about going through discernment and praying and seeing where God is leading us out. So when we take our baptismal covenant, we commit to justice, right? We commit to standing in the margins until those margins disappear. And so I think when, you know, if, if I were starting in a different place, People would come together in prayer to see where God is leading us out into the community from that church building. We are a people who are called out. You know, the church is the only institution that does not benefit or is not called to be a light and to be salt and light out in the world, to bring in the kingdom of God, to usher that in. And so I think when we begin by praying for um, God to lead us out, to see where God wants us to go out into the community, then we begin to see our community with new eyes. Is there an elementary school where there are kids who need tutoring or after school services that we could invite in or where we could go there and provide a ministry of presence in that place? Is there a prison ministry like Dave Sacristan's? Is there... Um, where is God calling us out? Because God's already out in the world working. So where can we go alongside that work and stand with people in the margins to support them, to bring Jesus and to, to worship together, um, to fellowship together and to be one with them in solidarity and a commitment to justice, to be with them as Christians and Christ followers. The remarkable thing about this ministry, well, there's so much remarkable, but one of the remarkable things is that this is not a ministry or an outreach that started when you had to have a big ticket outreach item. I think so often churches, and they look at, and we'll be honest, they look at the Cathedral Church of St. Mark um, with hundreds of people, they look with the established uh, church and they look and they say, we're, we're maybe in some community, 20, 30 people. 
um, how can we do it? We know we don't have the budget, but the the marvelous thing about this is that you basically didn't have a budget when you went out there, did you? No, we, we did not have a budget. This began as a 100% volunteer-led ministry. I was a complete, you know, just volunteer. I was doing this as part of a seminary project for my capstone. But I think what happens, you know, it's almost like manna from heaven. When people find out that you're going to serve, people come alongside and they come along with. And we have time, talent, and treasure. And I think when we get too focused on treasure, we miss the greatest gift, which is being, it doesn't cost anything to go pray morning prayer, evening prayer. You know, it doesn't cost a penny to go show up in a place and to be with people and to really listen deeply, to see them, to know them and to love them. That is greater than any material gift than you could give someone. I don't want to say that material gifts are not important. Of course, when people are have been unsheltered, they might need winter coats, but that is something that can be done through a collection where people are cleaning out their closets each year, every other year, they can make donations. And I think we, you know, develop community partnerships where a lot of people have the resources to serve, but not the time to serve. So if you have people, even one or two, you know, this ministry began with two people showing up in a place where there were 112 residents there who really wanted someone to listen to them and see them and know them and love them. All of the rest has come along um, through time. And, and we don't have a big budget. I think that's also a misconception that we just have millions of dollars that we're throwing at the point. Well, that's not the case. So um, it's a small step-by-step -step faithful showing up over time so that we develop that trust with our friends at the point and our neighbors around us. You know, we have unsheltered friends now who come to the point for evening prayer, who are camping um, and, and they are also fed. And then people, uh, Fair Park is coming over for evening prayer. So that ministry of presence, I would say that the time and the talent are more important than the treasure. So don't think, you know, we don't have money for outreach because God will provide the resources, and I don't mean monetary resources, but whatever material need is needed through partnerships, through donations, and so forth. So I would I would say don't let your church's budget stop you from going and doing outreach. I think that's such a point that um, can be made. And, you know, uh, you probably can gather that I was just amazed when I went out there, you know, and and I've done a lot of filming in my life and I've been to a lot of places, but I just saw this, this uh, presence there, this community. And that's what I wanna uh, delve into here a little bit that we toss around that word, beloved community. We toss around these uh, concepts that we need to be, in community with others or however we describe that word. I was amazed at something that you didn't see that night. And that was um, after evening prayer, one of the gentlemen wanted to show me the uh, potatoes that they were growing in a greenhouse in the back. Kevin, yeah, that's Kevin. Yeah, Kevin and, and um, wonderful person, by the way. And uh, 
uh, with a great memory, he brought up the fact that he once waited on me at Blimpy's like wow. 30, 35, 40 years ago and remember what I got. So I, I had to, wow, there's a person with memory. But he showed me back and he showed the potatoes and he said, these are not just sacks of potatoes that are going to be grown in this, in these giant burlap bags that they were growing them in. He said, this is what community is. And I thought, you know, I've heard a lot of sermons in my life. I've, I've been to a lot of, of um, wonderful things in my service at the Episcopal Diocese. But the way he looked at me and pointed at the potatoes and said, this is what community is. We're all growing these together. And those that aren't growing them will eat them, but they're doing something else. And I walked away feeling I had learned, you know, it was like reading the gospel or something. And that community, I see, I give a lot of credit to you, by the way, for that. But that brings up- Let's the, give glory, glory to God, Craig. Well, but but really you, you had to carry that message from God to the people. And one of the ways that I witnessed that was in the fact that everyone was praying for everyone. You know, we hit to the prayers of the people. And generally, that's just kind of passed over in church. You know, we pray, we are sincere, we pray for peace, we do this, and then we move on to something else. That was one of the most longest part of the services, I know, and you and you had candles for every prayer. How important was that for everyone to pray for each and every little need? There yeah, we we pray for all the dogs that are unsheltered and for our unsheltered friends and for anyone who may have gone to the hospital that week or has a procedure coming up that week. I think the most important thing that we do as a community is intercede on each other's behalf and holding space for prayer in that place is the most important thing that we do. And even people who would never come to evening prayer will walk up to me and to others at the point and say, would you pray for me? Because they know that we pray. It's not a secret that we pray and that we give voice to whatever someone's concern might be, whether it's addiction, whether it's isolation, whether it is having a conflict with a family member, being able to be a people who pray for one another is the greatest privilege I think that we have as Christians. And so people feel comfortable voicing their prayer concerns, no matter how big or how small. And I think to be a Christian community, that is really what it's all about, to care for one another, to hold prayer, and to, to be able to articulate and give voice. And for other people in that place to know that we are interceding on their behalf. So if we have friends that who aren't there for whatever reason, we check in, we ask about them, and we make sure that they know that they're being prayed for, whether they're there or not. So to pray for people by name and then to hold space for that entire community in that place is, I think, is what we do that glorifies God the most. Yeah, also, when we walked outside, one couldn't help notice that this is a winter night. Um, we think perhaps more about the unsheltered when it um, is um, winter. Uh, th that that just can't help but be something you brought up, coats, and you brought up that. Um, how tough is it for the unsheltered, even those that have been given 
either temporary or permanent homes at this time of year that perhaps as we pray uh, for people, as we think about people, as we shift our outreach from one area, perhaps to another seasonably, how important is this time of year to remember the unsheltered? I think it's critically important, especially given the housing crisis that we have in Utah with our property values skyrocketing and with the demand for affordable housing being greater than ever before. I think even within the past year, we've gone from a shortage of 44,000 units to a shortage of 70,000 units. You know, there's a really high demand for deeply affordable housing. You know, I've heard Carol Hollowell say she could fill a hundred points with people who really? need shelter. People want to be sheltered. And so I think if there's a way for us to open our doors you know, the, the doors are being opened at St. John's and Logan and now at the cathedral and at the Methodist church and at other churches. If we can provide warming centers, it's a rough life. You know, those, um, well, and also just pray for our legislators because yeah. 15 degrees is too cold. Yes. For the, for us to wait for funding for the temperature to drop to 15 degrees. 36 degrees is cold. It's snowing at 36 degrees. So I think we need to pray for hearts to change, for our legislators to, to be more compassionate. I think um, we need more permanent housing solutions for folks. We also need more warming stations for people who are unsheltered. It is a myth that um, the homeless population is confined to Ogden and Salt Lake. That is not true. Every county has a problem with people who are unsheltered, and every county should have Christians who are willing to stand in the margins with folks so that they literally do not freeze to death. I think it is a sin when we have buildings. Father Tyler would say the RB setting sin is to have space that's heated and cooled and sitting empty. So if we can open our doors, open our hearts, open our buildings, to allow folks to come in from the elements, I think that is a very, I mean, I think our our call to service as Christians includes opening our doors to those who are unsheltered if we can, when we can. It's uh, a wonderful message. And you mentioned St. John's, which is in their second year of warming. And again, it goes back to really what you said that I think is a real takeaway from this uh, podcasts, and that is, it doesn't cost a lot, if any, and the way St. John's was able to do what they've done, which is remarkable, it is the Lord's work on earth, there's just no question what's going on there, is that they found partners, and the partners found St. John's. You don't have to go it alone, but if you find partnerships, I think you you then, no matter how large of a church you are and how many people, you can make a difference. And I know that that program has made an incredible um, difference. And I know uh, in a recent weekend at the Cathedral Church of St. Mark, there was a number of people, I understand, dozen or so or more that were Sheltered. We had between 20 and 40 folks on the nights that we've been open. This is this is a new ministry here where we're working with second and second um, to be overflow for the Methodist church. Mm -hmm. And so I'm grateful that that's happening here. And I hope that and pray that it continues and that others are able to join in opening their doors as well. 
Yes, there are partnerships. We've talked a lot about what you're doing. We haven't talked a lot about you. I want to know, just like I asked Dave Sackerson, just like I've asked everyone, why is it that you felt called to do this? Why, why is it of all the things that one could do, did you turn to such a remarkable ministry and have pursued, I know you have your MDiv now, you have education in area and your, your services. Chaplain, what, what made you want to do this? Why? Why are you involved? Well, I'll tell you, Father Tyler sent me to the point. It was not my idea to go there. I had a cushy, easy project planned for myself. Uh, involving dinners with youth parents so that we could support kids through their teenage years. And he said, why don't you go throw some energy at the point and see what happens? And, you know, I, I had the privilege to go hear Father Gregory Boyle. He's a Jesuit priest who wrote Tattoos on the Heart Monday night. And he said, you know, we go to the margins thinking that we're going to make the world a better place and that we're going to change people there, but we find that we are changed. We are transformed. Our faith is deepened. Our Christianity is gains roots and wings when we go in service. And I think it's life-giving. My faith in Christ is stronger because of the work that I have the privilege of doing at the point. And so I think until you taste and see you don't realize how life-giving it is, how enriching it is, and how God will flourish communities through um, through just showing up and being present. And finally, we talked about the transformation of community at the point. What has been the transformation of the community that takes place uh, at the Cathedral Church of St. Mark? So I think one of the things that we've seen is how connected people are at the cathedral to each other, because someone will go to the point and then they'll come back to the cathedral and they'll talk about it. And then the next week that person shows up with their friend. And so when you have a friend to go with you into a place, it makes it much less stressful. It's very hard to go into a place where you don't know people and you don't know what people are going to be like. And, you know, you can be a little nervous. Are people going to be um, friendly? Are they going to be welcoming? Are they going to be warm? Are they going to be upset? Are they going to be angry? Um, but what happens is people are so connected to each other and the word gets out, right? That something cool is happening. God is showing up in this place and Christ is present in this place. And so when the word gets out, more people come over and they experience God and in new ways. And so I think what happens is you have people who are growing in community at the cathedral through service. Thanks be to God. And, um, and, and growing in Christian friendship is happening, not just between people at the cathedral and not just at the point, but a coming together in Christian friendship, which is a real gift in life. It's a great place to leave this, although we got to come back and chat about it. Uh, the place is the point, and it's out by the airport on North Temple, one of the former motels, now a community of people that um, has touched the hearts and the lives of uh, the Cathedral Church of St. Mark and certainly the work of uh, Chaplain Shannon Burke of uh, the Cathedral Church of St. Mark 
an amazing ministry, uh, a delightful community to go to. I recommend if you're in the Salt Lake area, it's a wonderful place to stop by on a on a Sunday night and just um, talk to people, pray with people, uh, find the beauty of the evening prayer service. And God bless you for all you're doing. And thanks a lot for listening to the Utah Podcapalians, a podcast of the Episcopal Diocese of Utah. I'm Craig Worth, and thanks again. We'll catch you on the next one.